tonight on Verse Chorus Verse, the greatest joke that has ever been played on myself. <laughs> Episode 16. We are going to dissect 1969. That is coming up. Okay, welcome to Verse Chorus Verse. I am David Liston. Uh, with me, as always, is the free-loving hippie kid, Sven Knutsen. Sven, how are you tonight, and where are you driving? I'm in I'm in my wife's uh, Subaru, <laughs> <laughs> recording a podcast. This is pretty awesome. Not sponsored, <laughs> but Forrester has some pretty awesome acoustical properties. Once again, we are not alone. Since we are doing a year dissection, we have decided that he passed his initiation. We have email... <laughs> emo wow we have emo jimmy emo jimmy. Yeah. jimmy that's, that's a, a whole different wow. podcast evil jimmy with us evil how are you tonight i'm doing well i'm uh, feeling good and excited to be back are you tired for those of you that don't know this man recently got a puppy golden retriever Ooh. i'm good today earlier in the week that was a different story. She was really sick one night. She has stomach parasites, mm -hmm. which uh, are a joy. She's doing much better now. She's pretty cute. You yeah. can see a couple pictures of her at Evil's Instagram, at Stan Megaton. I imagine that you probably haven't had that much time lately to work on any of your art. No, it's been sidelined <laughs> yeah. for a number of reasons, <laughs> and the puppy's at the top of that list. Evil's now officially a regular. He's actually coming on in a few episodes to talk a very specific album that uh, I think we're all pretty excited for at this point. 1969, we are going to dissect probably one of the easiest years to dissect in yeah. rock right it's a breeze <laughs> <laughs> this all stemmed from the first year we did was 1997 i got a little bit of smart assiness from these two about you know why 1997 that's such a weird random year so i was like all right fuckers you think that's funny 1969 bam here you go just thinking i was the funniest smart assiest guy it's yeah. not what even did you forget <laughs> forgetting that I have to do it too. <laughs> you guys can attest to this. I'll ask Evil first. How hard was it preparing for dissecting the year of 1969? Oh man, rewinding back to the 97 episode because the year 97 was when I was in college, when I was blowing off classes and sleeping in. This is more like doctoral music history dissertation material here. <laughs> so yes. it was a big take on, and I think we're up for the challenge. Yeah. Sven, I kind of see you a little more on the positive side of this sort of year, really enjoying this. Did you have fun or yeah. was it well, pretty hard for you too? Music wise, I enjoy, I enjoy a ton of music from this yeah. year. The problem in prepping for dissecting it and talking about it, I went a little ADHD. It was frantically jumping from thing to thing. There just so much happened. It was kind of just random. What what do I go to next? Where do I go from here? So many things happened all over the music world. Yeah, you you had some birth genres that just popped out of nowhere. You had some pretty big bands die. You had some other awesome ones start. There was a lot going on. It was a tough one. Why, David? Why? 
we were gonna have to do it at some time right bottom line is as hard as this was holy shit did i get to listen to a lot of extremely good music preparing for this right that was and even though 1969 is such a prominent year and everybody knows it i discovered some stuff preparing for this Mm -hmm. that i don't think there are a couple Mm -hmm. albums that one of them i've already bought that i will listen to pretty frequently now because of this two of us have kids that maybe we don't want to hear this but i don't care plus i've been drinking i'm i'm in florida right now so i'm two hours ahead of these guys so i've been drinking for two hours longer that's the rules (laughs) honest question even though i'm pretty sure all of us are a little too old for it did anybody do any drugs while listening to the music of 1969 to prepare for this at all I did not. <laughs> I like the like the si- the dead silence while we were both waiting for the other one to take that one first. You 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 go ahead and jump in front of that bullet, evil. Alcohol's a drug, right? Yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. Sure. That's, I'll count. So so yeah, I, I'll retract that and say yes. <laughs> this all stems from a very deep regret that I really wish that when I decided on 1969, I would have done it with a formal letter with a couple of LSD stamps inside of it. <laughs> That would definitely have made... I don't know what I'd be doing right now inside of the Subaru. (laughs) (laughs) If that was the case. Before we get into it, I have one question for you guys. And it's a one-word answer. As hard as it is. 1969 in music. I'm going to go to you first, Sven. Overrated, underrated, properly rated. It was rated. So, okay. (laughs) Properly rated. (laughs) In a very generic sense, 1969 is considered one of, if not the most prominent years in music history. By that, by that rating. I think that's an accurate description. Properly rated. Properly. I'm the one that's supposed to overcomplicate things, not you, Sven. I'm really good at taking your job, though, in that regard. (laughs) Um, Evil, what about you? I would say it is perfectly rated. I completely agree. So, hey... All three of us agree on something. And with that, with all the love in the air, let's talk about the most important part of the night. What are we drinking tonight? I'm actually going to start this because I am disappointed in myself. Like I said, I'm in Orlando. I'm doing some work stuff. I'm in a hotel. I probably could have gone and found a store and made something nice. I didn't do that. I just went to the hotel front. And got a freaking 12-pack of what I thought were like Corona hard seltzers. They're not. <laughs> They're these Corona malt cocktails. Gross. Corona refresca. <laughs> I don't think I have to worry too much about Corona ever being a sponsor. So I'm just going to say that I don't recommend I buying these. I threw up in my mouth they a little are... bit while you were describing Hashtag it. Hashtag Florida man. Right yes. there. Yes. <laughs> Evil. What are what are you drinking tonight? It looked tasty. It is. Uh, it's super tasty. It's called the Last Word. Hmm. It's a beautiful green cocktail. Some gin, some lime juice, some maraschino liqueur, and some green chartreuse, and mm. very delicious. Super boozy. Uh, it doesn't yeah. taste that way, but I'll be slurring later, so that's proof of it. That sounds really, really strong and really, really amazing. Sven, it looks like you were pulling a David Grohl. Over there? I, I was. I actually just finished my Coors okay. Light, and I was about to open a Sam Adams Wicked Hazy IPA. 
Sam Adams does it. Uh, well, I don't know why I've, I was surprised that Sam Adams is, has like 40. It's crazy, too, because I know people listening can't see. It's just a white label. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, usually the hazy labels are all rainbowed out. And, and, and I've never had this. <laughs> I'm wondering if this is like a, it says on the side, for sampling purposes, not for resale. And I'm going to try to do this without making my wife's car smell like IPA. <laughs> oh, a little little splash. With that, the music that is playing now and the music that you heard on the intro is from a artist goes by Life as Mary. Think Veruca Salt, Pretenders, her older stuff is a lot more of that early 90s. I think it's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The song on the intro was Standing on Your Sideline, which I should say this, that I picked this music it's not an artist saying hey will you play this play this play this these songs that you're hearing are my favorites standing on your sideline was the song on the intro the song that's playing now is love is a sad affinity really good check her out spotify like i say every time now just go to instagram and user link tree life as mary with that we will take a break and then we will try as hard as we can to get into 1969. We will be right back. We are back. 1969. I don't know if people know or not, but this was a fairly important year, and not just in music. There were a couple other things going on, too. I'm going to list very few of them because, honestly, we could talk. There could be probably 10 seasons of a podcast on 1969. Most importantly for me, of course, the Beatles breaking up, having their last concert on the Apple roof. Boeing appeared for the first time, the Firebird. It was a really good year for mechanical engineering. Woodstock happened. Sharon Tate was murdered. The the Charles Manson cult murders happened. Stanley Kubrick directed the moon landing. Um, <laughs> PBS was established for all you Big Bird fans. I want to lead this off asking, was this the best year ever for concerts? The big three were we had Woodstock, obviously. We had the Beatles rooftop final concert. And we also had Altamont, the Rolling Stones concert when the Hells Angels fucking beat the shit out of everybody. Has there been a better year for concerts? I'm going to jump in with just all in all. I don't think one year, no. I, I think I can think of concerts or festivals that I would rank higher than any individual event in 1969. But as far as talked about, I think... 1969 kind of was epic in that regard. It really was. Before we get into 1969, we need to do what we did in 97, which is our friendship test. Now that Evil and Sven are besties, this should be very easy for them. What were Evil and I's favorite 1969? I'm going to pin Zeppelin on both of you. David, I'm going to start with you first. Led Zeppelin won for David, and... Zep 2 for evil. That's actually really, I like that. I like splitting up the two Zeps and putting them in that way. That's pretty cool. I will go next. I was going to go with Sven. 
uh, because I've, I'm pretty sure I know that you have an affinity for this group, but 1969 was the debut album of Chicago. I think it was just this album that they were Chicago Transit Authority. But C-C-Nier. instead of that, I went with Blind Faith, the super group with Clapton, Winwood, Grek. I'm probably not going to touch on them very much, but you... I that seems to be just so up your alley. I definitely feel like you're... <laughs> You're hitting a few nerves there. I mean, I don't think we're revealing the yes-no right now, but get out of my freaking head, David, with both of those. Evil was two inches from going with MC MC5 on a good day. Sorry. It's cold out. I felt like they were maybe just a teeny bit too punk for you. So instead, I went with The Band, The Band. That's a good choice. That's That's a great album. So Evil, you get to go. For Svend. Let's go with Zappa, Hot Rats. That's a good choice. And for you, I don't know, it's a toss-up between Abbey Road and Glenn Campbell's Galveston. <laughs> that's a joke. That's, <laughs> that's right there, man. It's totally. In the pocket. <laughs> Frank Zappa was a good guess. I feel like if I would have thought about Hot Rats, I might have gone that route. For Sven. I feel like somehow you guys both know me on some other level. Do I just wear my taste on my sleeve? Am I that obvious? Kind of. (laughs) Okay. Kind of. I think that you are very open to a lot of different music. I think you're an incredibly good musician. And those type of people typically tend to go towards the super groups and the Zappas (laughs) and the... Now that we all know what we think the other people like, I think we should just kind of free flow a little bit about what they think about 1969. Really anything they want, talk as long as you want, talk as little as you want. I will let Sven go first. Sven, tell us what you thought about 1969. I think 1969 just had, there's so much going on. Country rock was invented. Flying Burrito Brothers, right? So you had... Mm -hmm. Graham Parsons and Chris Hillman from the Birds, and and that band was already kind of like one foot in the door. They were going that direction. So you have your Diana Ross left the left the Supremes. That kind of shook that world up, right over on the Motine side. And then she introduced mm-hmm. us. You know, Diana Ross presents Jackson Five, which yeah. that's a whole dissection in itself. Wow continuing all the way into the influence it had on pop music in the you know contemporary even today 1969 kicked off a lot of things but like you already mentioned a lot of things were put to bed you had the beatles breaking up their final concert they're done some of these groups had changes in lineups temptations uh switched up a couple guys you had supremes that lost diana ross she had her own solo career it was a huge year and like i said i I still even after the research for this i still haven't wrapped my head around the year and it's something that i've been kind of infatuated with since i was a teenager so woodstock itself i could have spent all my research time just on that event and the the magic that surrounded that chaos and it was like it was a disaster that gave us so many good things i mean it was like a third world country with some of the greatest freaking music going on as like the soundtrack i can't imagine what it would have been like to to be there yep that's my take there's just too much going on a lot of awesome things started. A lot of awesome things ended. A yeah. lot of me- like just 
I don't know. It was an unexpected year, I think. I very much agree. Everybody has this huge vision of the way Woodstock was and how it was this big festival of love and blah, 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 blah. And people don't talk about the weird fucking like laced drugs that that yeah. were was everywhere. And they don't talk <laughs> about how the the fact that Jimi Hendrix was the last person that played and everybody was fucking and It was leaving. the middle of the day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they gave him a, yeah. Daytime slot, that, yeah. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> you know it was not that good of a festival if Jimmy fucking Hendrix is playing and you're like, I'm bouncing. Well, I can't. <laughs> like, I got my picture. Yeah. I'm out. Way too many people showed up and they were way underprepared. They didn't. I mean, I would leave too. I mean, yeah. It's the original fire festival. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Oh man! It's exactly. It was way too many people under underplanned, underprepared, undersupplied. I don't know. As much as I love Jimi Hendrix, I might have been miserable enough and just wanting to leave. I don't know. You know, hindsight twenty twenty, rose colored glasses view of it that it, everyone sort of accepts. You know, the peace and love and everything like that. Some great musical performances. Uh-huh. I mean, that's undeniable. You see the footage of Hendrix, that's awesome. But then you look, turn the camera around on the crowd and it's a whole different story. And I think that's, that's kind of the, un, or at least was the untold story of Woodstock for a number of years. But I think as time has moved on, it's yep. kind of slowly worked its way into the consciousness that, yeah, it, it wasn't all smiles and sunshine. And, you know, you touched on some of the historical points of the year. And one of the big ones was war protest. I mean, that's right in the middle of Vietnam. And I think that might have been part of the catalyst for what they were trying to do, but also probably part of a catalyst of what made it such a complete shit show at the same time. Woodstock was supposed to be this big just love everybody festival mm-hmm. but then you you can't you can't have bands like mc5 there with a, <laughs> no with a guy like him that's just gonna stand up there saying fuck vietnam fuck but it, it wasn't gonna be this big love everybody festival no. when you have that much shit going right on. i'll go next and we can save the best for last in evil my thoughts on 1969 are going to concentrate on one band and that band is Credence Clearwater Revival. I really wish that you would have said that like the Rick Dees and the name of that band. (laughs) Um, Sorry. (laughs) Credence Clearwater Revival in 1969. For anybody that doesn't know, this is when all their shit came out. Right. When, When you think Credence Clearwater Revival, you think... Must have been an eight, nine year stint, fucking seven albums. You know, they had this hit and this hit and that. No. All the things that you like about CCR, that all came out in 69. (laughs) Towards the end of this episode, we're going to talk about our 10 favorite 1969 albums of all time. And one of the things that we had to talk back and forth about beforehand was which Credence Clearwater Revival album gets on that list. Because we didn't want to have multiple albums on the list and i'm pretty sure all three of us if i'm remembering correctly didn't give a shit because all of them are so fucking good any one of them would have worked we all had our opinions on which one was best but as soon as somebody was like well i think this one it's like man that's fine i can't contest that because all of their albums are amazing yeah fogarty just like we've talked about before Sven, with ice tea and hendrix is the other one we talked about who came back from the military and 
mm-hmm. started making music, CCR had the same, ex- had this, well, CCR had a lot of the same problems that all the bands did in 1969. And here was what the big problem was. You had this unbelievable, brilliant songwriter writing these poignant, beautiful, different mix of genre stuff that people hadn't heard before. You had the songwriter in Fogarty. And because he was so brilliant, like the Hendrixes and the Lennons and all them of that era, it completely fucked with the band. Because the band was these unbelievable musicians. The musicians back then were just so incredibly talented. There was no auto-tune or you had to be an incredible musician, not just because the time required you to be so, because that's what people expected, but because in order to record, you had to be able to get your shit down. So you had these incredible musicians that were trying to deal with these incredible songwriters that wanted their art to be this and that. CCR was a really good example of that. They broke up I think in 72, they fought, they ended up fucking hating each other. (laughs) The only difference between CCR and the other ones is Fogarty wouldn't allow drugs in the band. He was such a perfectionist and he was such an artist. Nobody's doing drugs. You know, my art, blah, 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 blah. As a band, that's what everybody was going through in 69. And then the other thing about CCR that also became prevalent, Fogarty gave the rights to his music away to his record label. Yep. And his record label figured out that, hey, you know what commercials need? <laughs> commercials need songs. You know what we're going to do? Yeah. Is we're going to sell. And I remember being pretty young. I was watching like an, it was like an Abercrombie and Fitch 4th of July commercial. <laughs> and Fortunate Son is playing. <laughs> and it's all, you know, it's all these cute people in jeans and they're having fireworks and they're in sparklers. It was probably and, black and white. And, you know, and they were just getting sprayed by like some mist machine. Yeah. No, no shirts, shirts on, and, selling yeah. clothes. The music in the back, some <laughs> folks are born made to wear the flag. Oh, the red, that, white, and blue. And, and it's all this, you know, you super go. patriotic, whatever. Even as a kid, I remember being like, no, to, like, you know what the, the next lines are? Like, <laughs> and it, I remember thinking that, that was just fucking insane. And even Fogarty talked about how it, there was an NPR interview with Fogarty where he says, I remember a paint thinner ad at one point. And the song was Who Will Stop the Rain. <laughs> oh, boy, that's really clever, isn't it? That's, that's, <laughs> so they took all this art form that was very, it's not hippie, it's the anti-Vietnam... Social statement. Yeah, and they just turn it into a big commercial, which, hey, he sold them the rights, he can. So what Fogarty does is Fogarty, he takes his song, which is now owned by someone else, Run Through the Jungle... And he turns it into old man down the road. He's like, you know what? I'm going to take my song. I'm going to turn it into another song. And then I'm going to play that one and, and use that one. And then his record company sues him for stealing his song. His own music. In 1994. Yeah. This is just the perfect metaphor for 1969. It is the kind of what you've talked about before, Sven. It is the, it is the business starting to figure out how to own the art it is mm-hmm. the art's attempts to fight Music back. Music is a product, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Music is a product. Yeah. Um, versus just an art. It becomes a product. And it's just this big, massive clusterfuck that all these hippies, for lack of a better term, trying to do something better for the world. And it's just not... 69 is just when yeah. that seemed to kind of yeah. die. You know, the, 
the one silver lining to that, uh, he he has the rights to perform those songs. He gets those back. But I mean, because of that, right? I got to actually see <laughs> Fogarty perform all those songs, and then not that long afterwards, watch Credence Clearwater revisited play all of those same exact songs, and it was like in time almost side by side. <laughs> And it was like, wow, I got to see CCR just in two different concerts. Twice. Yeah. Evil. What are, what are your thoughts on 1969? Oh my gosh. <laughs> when I first started like poking into the year and just sort of you know, getting my thoughts together, I'm like, there's no way we're going to even scratch the surface in the time that we're, we'd have to do like a, a series on 1969 to really even yeah. begin to do it justice. Part of that is the amazing breadth of musical styles and how good everyone was in each and every one of those different sort of genres and styles. It, it was like a melting pot of music. Mm-hmm. I'm older than you guys, and I, I wasn't born for a number of years after 1969. Like This is all retrospective stuff for us. And with one major exception... Most of this is not music that I listen to regularly. It's not like what I would consider my music. It's the stuff that influenced my music, my, my yeah. personal sort of musical tastes. Zeppelin is the, is the one exception to that. And I'm a rocker, I'm a metalhead, and Zeppelin was like ground zero for that genre. Without the groundwork of the music from this era, none of the stuff that we listen to up until current day would even exist. And I, I was blown away at how much high quality music was jammed into one year and if you just go down the list of artists who who release stuff even you know we're going to talk about them the top songs but if you list through all of the artists who release music there are major artists that list release music that it just doesn't stack up to the best of the best but you're like oh my gosh this person this band these guys it's it's crazy it is just almost overwhelming when you're in a podcast dissecting music of a year that we'll just say that bowie (laughs) came out with an album we haven't even touched on it right we're not going to touch on it all that much now that's how fucking insane this year is and how many bands came out with more than one album that doesn't happen now. That's the other thing is like James Brown had four albums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. CCR, three, yeah. three albums from CCR this year. James Brown, four. You're a pretty big you James know. Brown fan, right? I love James yeah. Brown. I, I like more like mid 70s, you know, mm-hmm. Godfather of Soul, James Brown, mm-hmm. like Zaire with the jumpsuit and stuff. That's that's the James Getting Brown the cape that I like. Put on him at the concert. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like sweaty James Brown. That's this, you know, this, this but. Go back to the one word. It, it was perfectly rated because there is just, I'm, I'm speechless at 1969. That's how I feel. Yep. I'll say that because of a couple audio errors, we are redoing this episode. This is the second time we've actually recorded this. We recorded the original one a few weeks ago, which this still feels fresh. So I think it worked out as hard as it is to do this. There was a big part of me that was so happy because I'll tell you the first time that we did this, I was so overwhelmed with the amount of information and trying to keep up. And the first Mm -hmm. time that we recorded this, Evil would say something about a band and I'd be Googling frantically trying to find shit. (laughs) And we got to the end of the episode and I got done and I woke up the next day. I'm like, 
that fucking sucked. When I found out we had to do this again, I was like, you know what? You can't do that. You go in with the knowledge you have and you just have fun talking about the insane amount of music that there oh, yeah. is. And that's all you can do. You know what I realized? First time around, not one of us talked about Marvin Gaye got his first Billboard Top 40, 1969. I didn't even know that. And Marvin Gaye's mm -hmm. not just some piddly little, I mean, it's freaking Marvin Broadly Gaye. Broadly known as one of the best yeah. male vocalists of all time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah I, I don't... there was a few others. We're, and we're still probably going to leave out. This is round two, and we're sure. still going to leave out somebody. Somebody comment. Tell us who you would have talked about thus far. Towards the end of this episode, we're going to go through a top 10. Premeditated. We realized the first time when we did 97 that if we all try to do a top 10 on the spot, it sucks. Yeah. So what we did is we emailed back and forth beforehand trying to decide the top 10 albums of 1969. I guarantee you that when this comes out, there's going to be at least one person that I will get an email from. I'll get at least two or three things saying, you guys are fucking in insane and <laughs> that's how good this year is is there are specific albums that people hold so sacred mm -hmm. that we aren't gonna put where people think we should put them no karen we're not putting yoko and lennon on the list <laughs> Touching on kind of what you mentioned, I like that we're redoing this episode. It feels like the pressure's off and we can just have a casual conversation about it. Yeah. It was stressful. It, I was yes. coming back for my second appearance, trying to be like, oh my God, I got to pull my weight in this thing and do good. And like, oh my, he gave me 1969 <laughs> to do it with. Like, God damn it. <laughs> so uh, when technical difficulties took over i was like hey you know what that is the universe smiling on us and yeah. giving us the opportunity to just talk yep. about this in a little bit more light-hearted way and yeah. have more fun yeah. with it which i think is going to be a better end product yes anyway so i feel better about this already yeah the last time we tried this i'm i go from frantically googling to research something to looking up and just seeing these fucking glazed over faces <laughs> <laughs> so we are gonna do some awards and categories we're gonna take a break first we will be right back are back in my pocket that is the song that you have just heard by life as mary once again i am a fan without sounding like dick i would not put bad music on this podcast i would not edit it into our beautiful flower of a podcast so this is good music check it out Go to a Bandcamp. Pay a couple bucks for this stuff on Bandcamp. Don't just go to go to Spotify and download it, but go to Bandcamp. Pay a couple bucks. These artists that make this stuff, they deserve. Can to... I share a modern equivalent for that, real quick? If you want to support an artist and they're on Spotify, here's a little something I do to help out my artist friends that put releases out on stream. Sometimes when I go to sleep at night, I start their album and put it on repeat and let Smart. it play. It can be out in the living room. Just let it play all night. Because you're showing support, they're getting streams all night. That racks up their stream count, which helps them 
not only with the algorithms and pop up on playlists and things like that, but also minutely helps out financially. And why aren't you doing that with our podcast? <clears throat> Who says I'm not? There's only like <laughs> three other people that listen to us, David. All the others is just it's just you me are our six hundred listeners. I've got three devices, <laughs> and all three devices are just constantly streaming. Should we do some awards and categories? Uh, we can try. Mm, yes. Let's start. Let's go into breakout album artist of the year. Let's start with Evil. Evil, who is your breakout artist of the year? My breakout artist was Joe Cocker. Woo! And anyone from like my generation, I don't know about you guys, but if you remember the was it a sitcom Wonder Years? Are you Wonder kidding? Years? Yeah. You're gonna talk Wonder Years of my generation? What are you Kevin. talking about? You think I don't know about Kevin and Winnie? Come on, man! Exactly. <laughs> what I loved would fucking you Wonder do? Years. Right? Yeah. yeah. Which isn't even his song. Um, Wonder Years. I think was the, probably the first time I heard it. But there's also some like going back to the talking about Woodstock, like some of the iconic footage of him yeah. singing at Woodstock just is the amazing. Sweat just off of his oh face. Oh my god! And, the, and yeah. just you know his hands like trembling as he's he's into that. And that first album of yeah. his is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It really is. So in terms of breakout artists, I, I think he killed it. That's a great answer. Sven, do you want to go next? Well, Evil kind of stole the one I had in my notes here. I'm going to go with Flying Burrito Brothers because they launched the country rock subgenre. I listen to country. Like, I mean, I still love Hank Williams and I'll listen to window shopping and like, I, I don't know. There's something just about the marriage of rock and country and the jamming that happens. And it's a little less predictable and a little more big and I don't know. That album in 1969 is really fucking good. But I think that was the birth of something that became terrible. Well, I think that, that <laughs> married with what we talked about with Fogarty and CCR. You, you marry this new genre yeah. with the music industry's new love of industry and product. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's you, like the total commoditization of, of the art of music. I mean, and... Into it, yeah, yeah. 1969 birthed the most modern would be Royal Blood, which is one of my favorite modern bands. It might be my favorite modern band. Yeah, same. And then it also birthed fucking like Rascal Flats. <laughs> <laughs> That's 1969. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> my breakout artist. I almost said Pink Floyd. Mm. This was the album where they kind of started to go, but I still see them at this point. I still see them under the radar in comparison to another band that we are going to talk about that is very similar to Pink Floyd, but did not get any of the recognition Mm -hmm. later on, possibly deservedly so. We'll talk about that later. But I actually went with Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Mm. Not only did Neil Young come out with an album... But Neil Young, he came out with an album with the full band. And to me, that is the breakout album of 1969. But it kept that folk rock alive past 69. A lot of that Mm -hmm. shit, all that sort of mamas and the papas and all that stuff died. Except for a couple people, Uh, Neil Young to me being the biggest artist that, that kept that going. That's a good pick. Hey, thanks. Yeah. Height of Power. 
for any bands. I'll start since I went last. I have three. I'm going to say one and we're not going to talk more about it because we're going to talk more about it later. But I've got Sly and the Family Stone. Mm. I've got, sorry that I'm going to keep saying it, but Credence and King Crimson. Mm-hmm. And we'll touch on that later too. For those of you that are listening, I got eyebrow raises from Svendon evil spend who's your height of power for 1969 everybody you just mentioned would go on my list so i'll start off by saying that uh, i feel like beatles kind of belong somewhere in this discussion because they just broke up i'm glad um, you said it's that still fresh that rooftop concert is that's some of my favorite footage me too it's to me one of the most intimate if you can't see them live to me that feels the closest that you can when get you think of the beatles high to power it's basically a 10-year stint it, it, yeah it's, were they more popular with i want to hold your hand or with fucking abbey road it doesn't shit do you remember in what was it 98 or something when they came out with the cd that was just all the number one hits of the beatles mm-hmm. and it was like the red with the yellow yeah. one uh-huh. yeah Red said one. How many did that sell? And then again, when when Cirque du Soleil did the (laughs) The Beatles, like Vegas show, and then everybody went through Beatlemania again. I think Credence is the right choice. That's the one I have down in my notes. But since it's already been mentioned, I'm going to venture out into the weeds a little bit and say the MC5. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yes. Their debut album was a live album. That's ballsy. To be like, hey, we're so awesome live that we're just going to make our first album a live album, and it's incredibly influential. I mean, that's proto-punk. Going back to what I was saying before, it influences so much of the music I listen to today to the point that Rage Against the Machine covered one of their songs at one point. I mean, that's that's the impact that that band had on rock music through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. They didn't do much after that, so that was really kind of their big exclamation point and, you know, it, it made an impact. So I think they deserve a mention. Yeah. You both know my opinion on live albums. Sure. That MC5 album is necessary to have in your collection if you're, yep. if you're a music fan. It's so good. Yeah. Well done. Albums that have aged poorly or well. I'll go right back to Evil. What do you have for this one? Poorly. I'm going to go with the wedding album, John and Yoko. It's literally two tracks, side one, side B. It's all experimental. I mean, track one, side one is John and Yoko. It's a 22 minute, 44 second track. And side two is Amsterdam. Oh, John. Sven, do you have anything that aged poorly for you? Not really. I think I'm taking age poorly as like, it was really good then and now it sucks. And I feel like... Everything that kind of that I feel sucks now probably sucked then. Yeah, <laughs> I've got one that's going to ruffle some feathers. I expect at least one negative comment to me about wow. every time I hear Tommy by The Who, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> I do not like that fucking album. There are specific people in The Who that I've I've loved certain projects. I am not a real big Who fan. I do not like Tommy. I've worked as a strength coach for a number of years. I have a class class setting and I had one particular client who during a noon class so myself and one of the other trainers at a gym that I worked at years ago, we would pick like a band and be like, hey, let's listen to this band today. Like, let's listen to Tool. And we'd, for some reason, pick The Who to listen to this day. 
and everyone's rocking and rolling, music's going, and people are, are working out. And this this one client of mine's like pacing back and forth, just talking like Popeye under his breath, just cursing. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, what's going on? He's like, are you a big fan of the Who? <laughs> I'm like, you know, we're playing it today. He's like, I fucking hate this. I hate Tommy. My <laughs> uncle used to listen to this all the time. I'm like, I'll go change it. So I went and flipped it and everything was fine. Damn. <laughs> Make sure he listens to the so podcast. So you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Underrated albums, albums that took indie roles. I will go ahead and start it off. We basically already touched on it, but I hadn't listened to it until I started researching and then it was everywhere. And that's the flying burrito brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not big. It's, it's not popular from then, but if you go into 1969 and you start looking up important albums, that's everywhere. Uh, what about you evil? Do you have one? I do. I'm saving it because it's on my favorite albums list, but I, I did find one that I was brand new to me and doing my research and all of the top whatever lists, it didn't show up. I, I sort of stumbled upon it and was blown away by it. I don't want to give it away quite yet because it actually made Ooh, my top albums list. I am excited. <laughs> Do you have a theme song for this year? There was one song that to you completely encapsulates 1969. What is that song? Fortunate Son for me. That is like the soundtrack song for any vietnam war movie you know forrest gump platoon whatever that abercrombie song, and some, fitch commercial abercrombie and fitch. <laughs> no you're right you're right that's like the zeitgeist song of the time it I might mean, that, honestly that... be the zeitgeist song of all time yeah do you have um, one Sven? i'm kind of switching it up a little bit because originally i was gonna say with a little help from my friends there's something about the way that that song feels i don't know i'm starting to think now country joe and the fish and I'm trying to the find fuck? the actual title of the song. It, I think it's just called Vietnam Song. Wow. The hook is like, we're all going to die. But he says it in such a happy, like, we're all going to die. Oh. And it's very folksy. And it kind of, <laughs> I don't know. To me, it puts the, the whole folk movement, puts it to bed a little bit. Because I, I feel like that kind of happened in 1969. That By then, Dylan had already been electric. There was a, it was kind of just slowly dying. I picked two and I picked two because my first one was fortunate son and I knew somebody else was going to fucking pick it. <laughs> so the, the one that I decided to choose is space oddity by nice. David Bowie. It's the perfect blend of what's going on at the time. It's this mishmash of the kind of hippie. We're going into the future rock and roll, but it's also you picture these perfect little picket fence sundress and suit and tie people watching the moon landing space oddity to me is the perfect song for 1969 that's a good choice that song in particular is meaningful to me because i was actually first exposed to it by a cover a band called saigon kick covered that song in the mid 90s and i really liked it and, you know, this is back when you could actually buy physical copies of stuff. And I'm reading through liner notes. and I'm like, this is David Bowie. So I check out the David Bowie <laughs> song. I'm like, oh, this is awesome, too. And that, like, opened up a whole new world. This is about the time I'm finding a lot of New Zeppelin stuff and diving into Pink Floyd and Hendrix and stuff, too. So that song is especially meaningful to me. So I, I think that's a really good pick. Why, Yay, why, I why didn't we get the formal invitation <laughs> with the little stamps? 
and uh, I don't know. David. I'm, I'm fresh out of an LSD dealer. I'll work on it for next. I'll, I'll work on it for our 1985 episode. I'll send you guys some coke in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the fun ones. What is the worst album of the year? I will go ahead and start. I really, really, I am not a fan of Let It Bleed by the Rolling Stones. I don't like that album at all. Gimme Shelter wow. doesn't do it for me. <laughs> Hate mail. Yeah, yeah, I know. And But I don't think it's a good wow. album. There will be another podcast another time where we get into how I don't think the Rolling Stones are a very good band. There are a couple albums of theirs that I love, that I very much love. I think I just saw the internet catch on fire. <laughs> for as highly praised as Let It Bleed is, I do not think it's a good album. Oh, man. I think I jumped the gun too early with my John and Yoko album. <laughs> I should have saved it for this. It I don't multiple. have a good answer. They, they had more than one, yeah. so you can just throw out another John and Yoko. Just, just and say John and Yoko, period. Like that, no <laughs> album. Just, yeah. Poor John. <laughs> Sven, what about you? Other than Ultimate Spinach 3 and the Archies, does that count? Does, does the art, does it like a cartoon band count? I don't know. I think probably the worst that I've found. Do You Know Jesus by Uncle Les and Aunt Nancy Wheeler. So uh, a Christian oh ventriloquist album, I, I think hands down for me, is probably the biggest disaster uh, you're insane. of 1969. All right. Well, I think Sven wins that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who won 1969? Sven, I'm going right back around to you. Who do you think won 1969? This podcast did because we get to do this I like right it. now. In all seriousness, I'd say that we all did. Music did. I like it. I will go ahead and go next. I think as much as the Beatles went out like fucking bosses with Abbey Road, which is such a good fucking album, and as much as Creedence Clearwater just ruled the year... Zep 1 and Zep 2, mm. to come out with both of those as your starting albums, Led Zeppelin is considered, I think they're probably considered the greatest rock band of all time as a generalization. I have to say that Led Zeppelin won 1969. The only other band that could be even close is the Beatles, and they had nine other years to own. So yeah. I, uh, evil. This is probably a lesser known fact, but... Forrest Gump on January 1st won the Presidential Medal of Honor for his valor in time of war. So I'm going to say Forrest Gump won 1969. Wow. I don't know. I don't have a good answer. Zeppelin's probably the right answer. but I'm good. I like Forrest Gump. I think that's a good answer. All right. I've got a question. This is a question that I'm going to ask moving forward as we go through year to year to year. and We're going to start to rank them. But being as there are only two now, 97 or 69, it's a simple question. Evil, which year is your favorite, 1997 or 1969? I grew up with people telling me there's no such thing as a stupid question. <laughs> but there is. There's no comparison. Now, I lived through 1997, so there's some weird like, well, that's nostalgia. The, that's the thing. I didn't and... ask you what the best year is. I asked you what your favorite year is. Well, that's a more interesting See, that, way that to put it. That was the clarification uh, okay. I was going to ask for. Are you asking us our, what was better or what's no, our favorite? No, I'm asking you, yeah, you, you get a kick out of listening to Zeppelin 1 because it's one of the greatest albums of all time, but do you 
feel as much as that is when you pop in Everclear or, or, you know what I mean? That's a really difficult question because I'm looking back on 1969 through other people's eyes. I didn't live through it. Yeah, and 1997 gets the unfair advantage of you probably saw a couple of the bands live. Sure. You got to see Coal right. Chamber. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, <laughs> there's some really great stuff from 97 that is like In Flames, Devin Townsend. But much like 1969, that's stuff that I found after that year. I That was like retrospective. I was exploring music when I discovered it. So I'm going to give not just the edge, but I think 1969 is an overwhelming winner. Very well said. I mean, they're different categories and 69 is in the better category. I'm going to go next and piggyback off of you. When I'm listening to music and I put on a vinyl, I put on the music of 97 when I was studying it and it was very much, oh God, yeah, this is awesome. Oh yeah, fucking Everclear. Yeah, put that on. Oh, Our Lady Peace. Great. Oh, Color in the Shape. Meh. (laughs) 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 But 69, I don't need to be researching anything. I'm going to be listening to fucking Zep 1 and 2 at least a few times a year. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be putting on Abbey Road all the time. While 97 holds these deep nostalgia nuggets the music from 69 will come back to me at least once a year mm-hmm. what about you Sven? i think i'm torn because my ears would rather listen to something recorded in 97 i wish that i could re-record you, you like that production i do i wish i could re-record 1969 music in a more modern studio the writing the musicians the people that played I feel was it was much more emotive and it was much more real mm-hmm. in 1969. I wish that you could just package that up and then give me the listening experience of something that was recorded in the last 30 years or, or less. You've become too much of a producer. Cop out answer a little bit, but... No, that's an interesting answer. I is. would not have even thought of that, but that that's going to give me a lot to think about. So, Sven... 97 or 69. <laughs> 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 that was a really nice try to get out of answering the question. Um, but you forget how much of a dick I am. How much of a how much of a black and white person you are. Just because my entire world right now, what I live in and what I do is all centered around production. I I, I feel like I'm gonna say ninety-seven just because of that. I Whoa. I get it. Right. Wow. Right. I, I, it, this answer it, is is it's splitting my brain in two a little bit <laughs> because let's rewind. Uh, case in point, the MC5 they decided to do a live album because they didn't feel like yeah. studio recording could capture what they are. Oh man, th- there's something to this. Let people comment and send the hate our way, but I, I think that boy, coming into this question, I would have said. Oh, course 1969 but now i'm like well this not to pull foo fighters into everything but that's definitely a monkey wrench into (laughs) this whole conversation (laughs) i feel like if i made if i made you and at least like one other person listening think about this then i did my job essentially the answer to that was 169 197 and 169 maybe 97 which i think that's perfect 
we, like I talked about earlier, collectively decided on the 10 best albums of 1969. We're going to go through these. We'll do some brief talk about them. Not too much. There was a Somehow we're all still friends and talking. <laughs> That's what's funny is the albums are so good on here that there was a brief amount of back and forth, but there really wasn't any arguing. There was a lot of, you know, what yeah. about this and what about this, but there definitely wasn't a, this is bullshit. Like, Did anyone else wish it was a top 20 instead, though? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. But it's not. Yeah. So take that. So we're going to start at number 10 and work our way up. Number 10, which was an album that Evil and Svend had a little bit higher on their list and I didn't have on mine, is uh, Santana's self-titled. This was his debut, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Svend, you mm-hmm. are a big Santana fan, aren't you? Pretty big, I guess. Yeah. Well, that's convincing. <laughs> um, <laughs> number nine is the band's The Band. The Band. I fucking love this it's album. It's so good. It is. I forgot how much I love this album until we were researching for 1969, but this is a really good album, right? Mm-hmm. Talking about like, the invention of genres, like this is maybe one of the first Americana albums. Absolutely. Drop down to Santana. He fused awesome, smooth, jazz fusion type guitar stuff with Latin rhythms. That had never been done before. We talked about the Flying Burrito Brothers. That had never been done before. I mean, talk about innovation. That's probably the best word to describe 69. Innovation. Mm -hmm. Number eight, Zappa's Hot Rats. This was one that I remember wasn't on my original top 10. And then I saw it on Sven's and said, fuck, I feel like that needs to be on there. And then I listened to it five minutes in. I was like, oh yeah, this, this is on there. (laughs) Say what you want about Frank Zappa's oddness and his, his over inventive thought process at times. This is a really good album. Yeah. Number seven, Miles Davis's In a Silent Way. Ah. I think Evil might have been the only one that put it on his. Yeah. And oh, yes. it, this is yep. this is yep. top five Miles Davis, which that's it's saying so something. so good. First electric Miles Davis album, which is that in a, in a talk mm-hmm. about innovation right there. I mean, we talk about the gateway to like all the acid jazz mm-hmm. albums that then followed. Number six. And I think this would probably be higher on mine. King Crimson. Oh, the Crimson King. Going back and researching 1969, this album affected me more than any of the other ones. I've always kind of compared these guys to Pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. When I hear this album, I hear somebody that was way ahead of the curve of Pink Floyd. I hear a lot of aspects of Dark Side of the Moon years before Dark Side of the Moon. I sound like a broken record here, but it has influence. I love rock. I love metal. I'm huge into prog rock and prog metal as part of those interests and and this album is hugely influential in a lot of the music that i listen to today absolutely number five credence clearwater revival and we decided to go with willie and the Poe boys i honestly couldn't remember which one we went with too we all had credence clearwater revival in our top 10 you two had Willie and the Po' Boys, and I had Green River. When I saw that both of you had Willie and the Po' Boys, I immediately conceded. Because like we've talked about before, mm-hmm. I'm not going to argue that. All three of the albums that they came out with, 
I have talked enough about CCR. We won't. <laughs> but that was the first one that all, all three of us had it on there. Number four. And this is going to ruffle some feathers. My feathers being one of them. <laughs> the fourth best album of 1969, which just sounds insane even fucking saying it, is Abbey Road. Abbey I Road. guess this is the best time to get into this. Evil, why do you hate the fucking Beatles? Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't. The Beatles are fine. I don't hate them. They're a little too British for me. That's just it. I mean, in the same way that Oasis is a little too British for me. I just. Did you purposefully just compare Oasis to the Beatles yes. to just fuck? <laughs> He's God. not the first. Yeah, no. Oasis did it plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> it's very beetly. I don't know what it is. I like Van Halen, man. I mean, are there Beatles songs where you hear them and you're like, "Fuck, that's good." Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'll listen to a, a full Beatles album. There'll be a, a handful, one, two, three, maybe more songs. I'm like, those are really good. And the other ones, I'm just like, this is. I mean, that's uh, that's actually uh, a no. fair a fair ratio, I, though. I feel like that's how Sven feels be, about it because the Beatles yeah. wrote like so many freaking songs. I don't love all of them, and and I think that's why I'm fine with Abbey Road being at four. As the Beatles representative in this <laughs> podcast, I do think that they should be at least number two. Go back and you listen to the last half of Abbey Road and the way that it ties every song ties together. And not just ties together it in a brilliant, beautiful way that sounds like the ending of a wonderful band. Look, someday we're going to do a Beatles dissection. Oh, my God. And it's not going to be today. All I will say is to, to all you Beatles lovers out there, I promise you, just so you know that there is somebody on here that does recognize the absolute beautiful brilliance of Abbey Road. And I am sorry that it's at number four. Uh, they have great songs. Especially when Joe Cocker sings them. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. Oh, all right. This is the section of the podcast that's called David Has a Problem. It started with Abbey Road and it goes with number three. Number three is Led Zeppelin one. Had Led Zeppelin one on their top. I 10. cheated and I put You did. You you tried, you tried to, to submit, submit both. both on the same. Yes. I prefer one. In all honesty, I completely get it. Trying to decide between Zep 1 and Zep 2 is... And I don't care if I'm going to spoil anything, because I'm just going to say it. How the fuck? Track 1, album 1 of a band. Good times, bad times. That's the fucking greatest rock song I feel like you're hanging the entire... Ever. You're just like pinning the entire album on that one track, though. It wasn't even a struggle for you guys. Like, you guys just automatically... Nope, Zep 1 over Zep 2. Zep 2 over Zep 1. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, sorry. Wait, what are that. you trying to pull here? <laughs> Zep 2 over Zep 1. When I listen to Zeppelin, what do I listen to more? It just comes down to, like, playtime and counts. Which record's more worn out? That's... I mean... Here's my take. I feel like Zeppelin 1 is a more broadly creative album. The tracks ha are more diverse. I think that's a good thing. Zeppelin II, if you look at it, it's like these stripped-down blues standards that they cranked up to 11. Yes! And that's, that's what the, I like about Zeppelin. I like the hard rock heavy metal. That's the birth of heavy yes. metal. Okay, number two, and this was one that we all we were comfortable with putting it very, very high. And honestly, I think it was pretty close between this 
and the other one. Uh, but number two is Stand by Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. Stand by Sly and the Family Stone is the pinnacle. It is the perfection of a genre, right? Mm-hmm. Every single song. Some of the dopest bass lines. Oh, my God. <laughs> as a bass player, I mean, that's that for me is like this album is gold as far as like you need to learn. Anything funk or soul related, that specific type of drumming, the bass, the back of vocals, late yeah. 60s R&B, soul, it had it pinpointed. It knew exactly what it was doing, which leads us to number one. In all complete honesty, I don't argue this. I love this out. I fucking love this album. Number one is Zep 2. Yeah, there'll be some bickering on what's better, one or two. Came out in like just in the nick of time too, like end of November yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That is our top 10 of 1969. Now we've got two more things to do and then we're done. Each of us is going to give our three favorite songs of 1969. Evil, I'm going to start with you. What are your three favorite songs of 1969? Number three is Cripple Creek from the band. So good. I love that song. This is like the birth of Americana music. Mm -hmm. They pulled from all of these different sources and created something that was new but sounded familiar. My first kind of introduction to the band was in, in college. I had an art professor who she had a, like a mixtape that had like Joan Baez, a bunch of stuff mm. from this era. And the band, they had several songs from the band. And this one, this song stuck out to me. There, there's a great documentary, live performance mm-hmm. mixed in with some interviews like, yeah. called The Last Waltz. It was produced by Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. has appearances by like Clapton and yeah. you know Joni Mitchell uh, star studded Dylan's in there mm-hmm. it's it's worth a watch it really showcases how good these guys are my number 2 is so out of left field it's the Steve Miller band song cow cow calculator <laughs> which is extremely <laughs> weird i like the Steve Miller band it, it, they're silly and this song is extremely silly but it's so good my number 1 is ramble on Uh, i love that song so much for a number of reasons not excluding the fact that it's got like a lord of the rings theme to it i mean singing about mm -hmm. Gollum, you know stealing away with his girl at the evil it's like what (laughs) and it's just so good i love the pitter patter beat the acoustic intro and it just like crescendos and it's it's one of my favorite songs of all time, really. So, Sven, what about you? Well, Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond came out, and it's not one of my top three. <laughs> my youngest daughter will be mad at you for that. I'm sure she's very sweet. Mm. Um, my Way, Frank Sinatra. I'm glad. My Way That's is awesome. my number three somebody pick. brought that up. Yeah. It's my dad's, one of his favorite. It's a great and song. Who doesn't love some Frank? Mm-hmm. Come Together, The Beatles. If we're talking... Ringo, I love the hell out of that guy. That's my number two. It It's a great song. I still love the Aerosmith version, but number one, Frank Zappa, Peaches and Regalia. I know it means a bunch of sparkly royal shit, uh, basically, <laughs> right? Regalia. As a saxophone player growing up, the horn lines in that song are so freaking awesome. Frank Zappa's a genius. Made a huge impact on my life and a lot of what I was doing in music. I will go to mine. Number three is good times, bad times. Wait, that's number three after the big hubbub you made? <laughs> it's like the better version of Ramble On, basically, is what it is. And <laughs> 
<laughs> Touche. My number two favorite, You Never Give Me Your Money In To Carry That Weight, which is essentially the same song by the Beatles and Abbey Road. It's like 15 minutes of fucking brilliance. Into number one, which is something that we ha- I don't think we've touched on yet. There's something about this song that just anytime I listen to it, I am completely in love with it. Uh, Lay, Lady Lay by Bob Dylan. This was the year that he kind of went, he he did like a full country album. I forgot what his album's name is, and I'm sorry, I should have written in my notes. It's like Nashville. Is, Nashville Skyline. Uh-huh. Thank you, Evil. Can listen to that anytime, any day. Let's go to three favorite albums of the year. I'll go ahead and start. Number three for me is In the Court of the Crimson King. We already talked about that. Just fucking brilliant. Number two, Zep One. And then my number one is, in fact, Abbey Road, which, yeah, it's Abbey Road. I'm I'm not going to qualify it. (laughs) Sven, what are your three favorites? I'm going to ride Abbey Road right into my number three spot, which is one better than our top ten number four spot. So, I don't know. That make you feel a little bit better? I bumped them up to three. No? Nope. Okay. (laughs) Zappa Hot Rats, because it's genius, and I probably listened to it way too much in, like, high school. And CCR, Willie and the Po' Boys. That's your number one? That's my number one. I love it. I love that. I have sung along, like, sing-along style on the radio tape deck, on tape. Yeah. (laughs) That's, like, every... That that's the sing along car road trip song. It's the, such a good just, album. E- yeah, album every so everything. Good. My whole life. Evil. What are your three favorite albums of nineteen sixty nine? Number three is Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends. Like him. It's music that I've heard before when I went back and like consciously was listening to it. I'm like, oh my god, this is so good. And there was a moment in particular where we have a sono system in our house, so I kind of we were playing music all the time. I flipped it on and feeling all right comes on and everybody was just in a good mood immediately. Mm, and I'm yeah. like, Oh, this is timeless music. This is like, <laughs> and, and it didn't, you know, the kids didn't know it. My lady didn't God, know it. And, I forgot about that song. Yeah. It's Damn. so, and the whole album is fantastic. So that's my number mm-hmm. three. Number two, to kind of circle back around, this was my sort of hidden gem album. Um, and it's a, it's a, Jeff Beck album called Beck Ola. Yes! It's so good. It's the one album that I found that I'm like, I I was truly grateful to find it. It blew me away. And it's got like two Elvis covers on it, which seems egregious, but they're both really well done. (laughs) Rod Stewart is, I mean, for people who don't know, Rod Stewart's got his start singing for Jeff Beck and his pipes are legit. Ronnie Wood's bass on this is yes. particularly on Jailhouse Rock. Their cover of Jailhouse Rock, I was sold. I had never listened to the album before in my life, and now it's one of my favorites. I've been listening to that thing nonstop. So thank you for picking this year in particular so I could find that album. <laughs> my number one is Led Zeppelin II. Um, it, like you said about one, you don't need to say anything about it. It's Led Zeppelin. I see what Led Zeppelin 1 and 2 as kind of part of the same thing. It is the beginning of my music, and I'll leave it there. I like it. Like all the silly bickering that we make for the podcast, 
in the end, it's sure. I I'm not gonna qualm yeah. within Zeppelin one and Zeppelin two. That is the best we can do with 1969. Fight us, <laughs> evil. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. I am glad that you are a official year buddy, and a couple other things going on down the line. Ooh. Sven, thank you for taking a break on your road trip to <laughs> say hi. Join us next week when we have our first listener-supported episode. We have a fan on to talk about a favorite album of hers Mm -hmm. in 1989 by Taylor Swift. Boy, oh boy, are the fireworks going to happen. (laughs) Um, Can't wait, huh? At VerseCourseVersePod, that is the Instagram. Just go there and go to our link tree at Stan Megaton. That is Evil's info. We are on the YouTube. We are on the iTunes. We are on the Spotify. We have the merch. All that stuff. Just go to Instagram. Go to the link tree. If you have any questions, you want to add anything to our 1969, let us know. You guys are my favorite. Thank you again. Good night. Good night.